It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Shout Cameron, John Rich, and we've got out in Indianapolis, site of the NFL Combine starting today and going on for about the next week, our Eagles reporter, Elliot Short-Parks. How you doing, Elliot? What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Good, pal. Elliot, is it true the Eagles will have almost all binoculars on defenders and very little focus on <laughs> Listen, Elliot, they're probably going to grab a running back and maybe a wide receiver, maybe an offensive lineman, but this is a defense draft, and they've got to focus heavily on that in the next couple of days. Well, especially at number 10. I mean, if you look at where this could play out, I mean, I think if you're the Eagles, you're probably rooting for as many quarterbacks to go in those top, you know, nine picks ahead of mm-hmm. you to push some of these defensive talents down. Now, obviously with free agency, they're going to be losing a lot of guys. But if you look at some of the key positions that they value on, right? Like they're not going to take a linebacker at 10. They're not going to take a safety at 10. They're going to look at defensive line and they're going to look at cornerback. And if you look at those positions at number 10, there could be some good options. I don't think Jalen Carter of Georgia is going to fall. Maybe he would be a trade-up candidate. But there's Will Anderson out of Alabama, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. And then at cornerback, there's two that they could really look at at number 10, Witherspoon out of Illinois and then Gonzalez out of Oregon. So I do think today and these next few days, while it's a free agency, really the combines about free agency, in the draft they'll be able to meet with some of those guys, and I bet they'll be meeting with every one of those guys. Elliot, tell me if you agree with this statement. Because of the deal James Bradbury will get on the open market, he is the least likely player for the Eagles to be able to retain. You know, it's it's an interesting uh, – he's in an interesting situation. And I'm excited that the Combine starting today because it will really get a chance for me to do it, but also just the Eagles to talk to people, see what his market's going to be, realistically what he's going to get paid. Because as good as he was last year, obviously he was second-team All-Pro. He had a great year. I do wonder if he's going to be legit number one corner or if they're going to view him more in the market of a number two corner and if Mm. that happens i do think there's logic in just paying a premium price to get him structuring that contract stretching it out you know doing that type of thing right but overall i would agree with your assessment that if you look at what the other eagles free agents are going to get i think he's probably the least likely to be back but i'm still like 30 percent he's back i don't think it's like a foregone conclusion he's out of here wow What's the scuttlebutt on Javon Hargrave? Because we know that there will be almost a $12 million cap hit if he goes elsewhere. Does that encourage the Eagles to prioritize him? What's the deal? Yeah, so, I mean, I'd have to look at his contract. I believe that cap hit is there no matter what. I mean, he signed a three-year deal. 
So I'm not even – I'll have to look at his contract to see if that's true. But regardless, I think that, that whatever the dead money is going to be is not going to be encouraging them to either bring him back or not. But he's an interesting candidate because when you look at what he did, obviously as a pass rusher, he's unbelievable. He's one of the better uh, pass rushing defensive tackles in the league where they've had concerns with him. And really I should say the old defensive coordinator, you know, potentially not the new one, is as a run stopper. And you saw that with, the, with them bringing in Linval Joseph and Dominican Sue drafting Jordan Davis. Like they emphasize that, right? So I think that he'll get paid a good amount of money on the free, on the free agency market because of uh, because of how good he is as a pass rusher. But I don't know if there'll be like a huge effort by the team to bring him back, especially when you look at who they could take at number ten. What is the what's the current news on our offensive and defensive coordinator searches? Yeah, so uh, Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman were in Philadelphia yesterday uh, interviewing um, Sean Desai, the uh, Seattle Seahawks assistant coach slash defensive coordinator, who was also the coordinator with the Bears. He's an interesting candidate because. This is a tough job to hire for uh, when you consider the fact that they're a team that's expected to win the Super Bowl next year, right? That's expectation, win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And then you also want to get a young coach who, you know, ideally like is up and coming and has new ideas and those type of things. It's hard to find somebody with that type of experience. And I don't know if Sean uh, Desai checked those boxes completely, but he comes pretty close. So I think it's going to be down to him and then Denard Wilson, of course, the secondary coach who's already in the building. The players really want him to get the job. So I think on the defensive coordinator side, that's what you're looking at. And then offensive coordinator, it's going to be Brian Johnson. I think they're just waiting to announce both the coordinators at the same time. How prepared is Brian Johnson to do this job? I think he's very prepared. I mean, you know, I think anytime anybody takes a new job, there's, there's a, you know, I guess a bit of, a bit of hesitation because he's never done it at the NFL level, but he called plays at Florida. He was a coordinator at Florida. He knows all the players on the offense really well. He knows, the system, obviously, from being in the building. And he has a great relationship with Jalen. I mean, all last offseason we talked about what can make Jalen take that step forward, and it was he's going to have the same coaching staff. So, obviously, Steichen's not going to be there, and that matters. But in terms of just familiarity and Jalen feeling comfortable, I think Brian Johnson is pretty much everything you want in a coordinator. But also, if you look at the fact that other teams wanted to hire him. Like, if, if he wasn't going to get this job, he probably is a coordinator elsewhere. So, I think he's very qualified and very ready. Elliot, here's the issue, though, with the use of the word prepared you just used. Michael Clay has been the defense coordinator the last couple – excuse me, the special teams coordinator the last couple years. He's still not prepared. And now he's got an extension. Why was Michael Clay given an extension and a raise? So the special teams is an interesting situation. So I agree that he did not do a good job last year. He did a horrible job. He did did a bad – but here's the thing that I think is not discussed enough with special teams, right? They do not emphasize it from a personnel perspective. Now, that's not an ultimate excuse, but if you look at who they have playing special teams, right? It's N'Kobe Dean, who's really just developing to be a special, you know, to be a starter this year, at least compete for a starting job. Like the days of them drafting guys specifically for special teams are over. They don't really do it anymore. So I'm not excusing it, but I'm just saying I think that the outrage from the outside, I just don't think they view it like that internally because I think their expectation for the special team just maybe isn't the same because of the personnel they put into it. I would have probably moved on from them. I'm just trying to explain their line of thinking on it. Does it uh, give you any concern about Nick Sirianni? Is this decision on him? Is this decision more on the front office? I mean, look, I, I think Nick gets to pick his staff. I'm sure, you know, they, they certainly use the word collaborative a lot when, when talking, you know, yeah. to the media and just talking, you know, in general. So I do think this was probably a somewhat collaborative decision. 
But again, I just – and I'm not saying I, I feel this way. I just don't think they view Michael Clay the same way everyone else does. Like, he's young. I think that if they moved on from him, he would get hired elsewhere. So, yeah, I, I look, I would have probably done something. But I think the true answer to making the special teams better is invest bottom of the roster roster spots on it, right? Like, get, get a better kick returner. Draft players or sign players who are better special teams players. Like, I think that's the true – the true solution to making the special teams better is not a new coordinator. The true solution is dedicating roster spots to making it better. Elliot Shore Parks from Indianapolis, home of the Combine over the next week with us right now. Elliot, Miles Sanders yesterday on Instagram with a post. It's a dangling banner from a, a bridge, I guess you'd call this. <laughs> yeah. And it says, uh, growing sometimes means leaving people behind. Is your interpretation what my interpretation is, which is, the Eagles have not offered him a contract extension, or if they did, it's a lot lower than he wants. And he's basically saying, I know I'm out of here. Yeah, I don't think any of us would need that Instagram post to, to you know, feel that way. If you just watch the Super Bowl, I think it's pretty clear where they feel Miles Sanders is. Now, the interesting thing about him is he could not find a lot of money out there. And so if you're the Eagles at a certain point, you know, if you're talking $3 million to bring him back, I think there's an argument for that. But again, we're here, you know, I'm here at the Combine, uh, free agency it's a strong free agent class but also there's Bijan robinson from, from texas in terms of a running back that yeah. is just viewed as a complete difference maker now the issue with him is you're not going to get him at 30 probably and you could debate if it's too early to take him at 10 so that is something they're going to have to think about but miles sanders for as great of a year he had and i do think he is a very good running back i think that you know he's probably underrated a little bit in this city i think he, he is a very good running back but he's hitting free agency at, at a really bad time. So uh, it, we'll see what the money is like for him. And, uh, Elliot, finally, let's wrap on Carson. What happens next with Carson Wentz? You know, if, I were, if, I, if Carson, for some reason, asked my opinion on this, <laughs> I, would tell him, <laughs> I would tell him to retire, right? Like, take a year off. Uh, you have a lot of money. Your body is clearly not there. Like, I think he would really, really benefit from that. But the other thing I would say about Carson is I know people are going to, you know, think it's fun, you know, whatever, take a victory lap. I feel bad for the guy, right? Like, I think this is such a good example of how injuries can just completely wreck a career. And I'm not saying he personally, you know, off the field didn't have any blame in that. Of course he did. But to, but I mean, just take a step back and think about in 2017 where we were to where we are now, like, it's pretty unbelievable. So I think he should step away. I wouldn't return if I were him. But I'll be honest and say part of me does feel bad to watch it, like, how his career has I agree out. with that. I do. And, look, people know I've been very critical of Carson. I think rightfully so. But I, I agree with you. It, Part of it is the injury, but the, the other part, Elliot, is that never makes sense to me is why did his brain stop working as far as well, reading that, reading defenses? Yeah. I mean, that's that has nothing to do with his knee, and it has nothing to do with his back. He just he just couldn't, John. He couldn't find a way to just check the ball down to a running back or just hit hit the guy over the middle for six easy yards. He just and that has nothing to do with the knee or back. He just. And couldn't do it. I believe some so, coaches could get through to him and some coaches couldn't, and that Frank Reich was a coach who could get through to him. He did check it down more, and he was smarter. Like, let the offense work for he you. He still didn't do good situation. enough. He should have been was, so much better. He should have been so much he better. Was, I mean, he, was, he was uber yeah. talent. Yeah. He was good enough with Frank Reich as his coach, and I think that Colts year is more of a positive than you give it credit. He did well just not as well as he did in 2017. The owner here. could not stand him. Yeah. I mean, and I they hated a lot of that him. had to do with the yeah. COVID thing. Well, no, it, it de- did. definitely it and did. but also those last two games. But the owner, I mean, I well, you know, Jim Irsay is a very he'll give his opinion, but 
He couldn't stand him. Well, and here's but, the but other I would, thing. I would, I would like, also say I this. I would, really, I, would, I would say this, though, in terms of the Carson thing, right? And I know it's probably, like, sacrilegious to mention him and Jalen in the same sentence. But it is – if we're going to spend the next week and this offseason talking about Jalen's contract, it is a reminder that when, you know, right now we all feel great about Jalen. And maybe he is different. Maybe, like, it's a reminder that one injury and all of a sudden you're paying a quarterback a ton of money that's hard to get out of. Yeah. So uh, Jalen has everything you want in a quarterback, but the Eagles need to make this decision about his deal, remove emotion from it, and look at it realistically. So I think Jalen's better than Carson. I think he's a different person. But we're, we're, we're talking about the guy, the last guy they handed a deal to, and we saw how quickly that fell apart. I agree. Elliot, wonderful work. We'll talk to you probably more than usual when you're out there in the Combine this week. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for joining the show today, man. Yep, sounds good. Talk to you guys. All right, Elliot Shore Parks.